0: Pattinson Punt, intellectual property for cannabis. Neil Juneja from Gleam Law joins us to explain this growing industry. I'm Lawrence Coletti, and this is Legal Talk Today. All right, welcome back, listeners. Thank you for being here and sharing part of your day with us. Our show today is about intellectual property routes, and the marijuana industry and you might be asking yourself if you listen to this show if federal law forbids cannabis how can someone file for a patent in an illegal industry great question we're going to get into that but first we're going to meet our guest neil juneja from the gleam law law firm welcome to the show neil Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Neil, I think the first obvious question, you know, when we were looking at your background, you're like right in the confluence of this. And so you do some intellectual property law, but you also help the cannabis industry and some representation. So tell us about your practice today.
1: Sure. Well, I founded the firm 10 years ago from my bedroom, and it was fundamentally focused on intellectual property. But when we opened the first shops in Washington that happened to be a client of mine. So I was in Newsweek and Time Magazine. So I converted the firm or pivoted, if you will, to a cannabis-focused law firm. And what we try to be is a one-stop shop for any cannabis company or ancillary company anywhere on the planet that wants to do business in the regions in which we do business. So we now have two major offices in Washington, Oregon, and we have satellites in California, Nevada, and we're opening Arizona as we speak.
0: Well, obviously, we have the right guy on the show there. So, again, thank you for joining us. And so, you know, what got my attention for uh, this particular interview today was I've been sort of following this um, sort of the patenting of plants, or or more specifically, the GMOs, those genetically modified organisms. It's always been fascinating to me, the notion that you can file a patent on a living organism. But then when I saw saw this National Law Review article about uh, plant patents in the marijuana industry, it's like, we got to talk about that. So, Why don't we start with that as our first question? You know, the plant patent, you know, what does it cover and what specifically does it protect its holder against? So, plant patents
1: are designed to cover asexual propagation, so taking a cutting or something of that nature, as opposed to sexual reproduction, sexual propagation through seeds, which there is coverage for under the USDA. Uh, It's very similar to utility patent in terms of its requirements 20 years. From filing is the protection. Um, It needs to be new, not obvious, useful, although actually useful is not required for plants. It is for utility. And it has to be something that's not found naturally in nature. It's something that the hand of man comes in and creates. And that actually stems from a utility patent case, uh, Chakabarty, where a guy, um, a guy, uh, (laughs) where the applicant for the invention does some genetic modification of a life form in order to consume oil. So it's microbiology. And it went all the way to Supreme Court, and the court said, look, this is no longer a product of God. This is now the hand of man that's interrupted natural process, and therefore it's patentable. Well, that comes into play for utility and plant patents as well. So it needs to be crossbred or unique enough to be protectable. You can't just find a uh, sunflower and patent it, but if you crossbreed them, well then you can get a plant patent protection.
0: That is fascinating. That that is really interesting. My, my next question for you, this is one that, you know, I'm not super familiar with the marijuana industry. I've never been in a dispensary, not my thing and done nothing against it, but I just, it's not my thing. And, uh, you know, so my, my knowledge is, is limited to what I've seen on weeds and what I've seen on South Park, you know? So I, I, I do know this, I do know that, uh, you know, the dispensary will sell different types of products and some of that has to do with the plant that it's derived from. And, uh, and, and another part of it has to do with that process. So can you break that down? Because it seems like oftentimes a dispensary, or someone that's good at this particular type of business will have both the plant patent, but also a utility patent too. So can you walk us through how that applies to different products?
1: Sure. So a utility patent is 90% of all patents, and that's what you really think of when you hear that. So uh, patents can cover composition, well, utility specifically, compositions, methods, machines, combinations or improvements thereof. So a new solution, a new grow method, a new extraction method all fit under these very readily. Now, it is possible to get protection of the plants under a utility patent. Um, it's a newer thing that's occurring. I saw one recently, breeding, production, processing, and use of specialty cannabis. Now, the interesting thing with utility patents for plants versus plant patents is utilities will cover the propagation, the F1 hybrids. So where a plant patent doesn't cover the children, the utility patents do now. The uniqueness is if it's over the requirement of THC or it's a drug 0.3%, you need to make, and in all cases, readability patents with plants, you can make a tissue deposit or a seed deposit. We can't legally do that in the U.S. because it's illegal federally. So the patent I mentioned did a seed deposit or a tissue deposit in Ireland, which would accept it, except how they got it there has never been answered because you can't legally export it and you can't legally ship it. But somehow it just appeared in Ireland and now they have their patents.
0: Wow. <laughs> so I mean, it is pretty wild. I mean, just, just the whole gap between you know what, what is allowed by states and what is allowed by federal really kind of led us down the path of some really interesting laws and I guess uh, pseudo regulations when it comes to this business. So l- let's get into what you need to uh, you know apply for a plant patent. And I understand part of that process is having a unique name and some of those names can be pretty colorful. So walk us through just sort of those bullet point delivery items that you need before you can get your plant patented
1: yeah to get a filing date it's the same between the two it's spec claim drawing so written specifications and sufficient detail a claim the name of the game is the claim that's what actually claims your invention and a drawing in this scenario one to two photographs works for plant patents and the actual claim is a new and distinct cultivar of whatever your species is, as shown and described. And that's it for plant patents as far as requirement. Now, naming it is interesting because you want to name it something more generic so that you can still get a trademark on your your brand of that plant. And trademark law restricts protecting names that are cultivars. So you want to create a secondary name That will be your brand name that isn't your generic, or I'm sorry, your uh, scientific name that you're going to create or coin for your plant.
0: So that would be like Tegrity Farms for Randy on South Park? Yeah,
1: well, that would be a name of a farm, I'd say. (laughs) But uh, let's say he had his plant called Cannabis species 251, and then Tegrity could be the brand name of the plant, if you can get the brand name through, and the trademark through the USPTO.
0: I somehow managed to use South Park in some legal references, so uh, mission accomplished. (laughs) <laughs> I will, let's let's talk about uh, my last question for you. Is the golden question? This is the one that always I always find curious because of this uh, this disagreement between state and federal laws. And so, people file you know at the PTO, the the Patent and Trademark Office. They want either a plant patent or they want a utility patent. And the PTO knows that it's for an illegal substance to grow, which is still illegal under federal law. How is it that a federal institution like the PTO, the Patent and Trademark Office, can give those patents considering that it's for an illegal activity? How does that work?
1: Well, first we have to look at the USPTOs, where it draws its power from. For patents, it comes from the intellectual property clause of the Constitution, which is clause eight, where trademarks come from commerce clause. So when it comes to protecting patents, you are not given a right to practice your invention. You're given an exclusionary right to stop others from practicing it and using it selling it, importing it, offering to sell it. So the government's not giving you a right to practice your invention or to grow cannabis. Now, if we distinguish that from trademarks, that's a right to protect your brand for the benefit of consumers. So in that scenario, it has to be used in commerce or we're not going to let you take something out of the English language for your own use. So that's the big distinguishment between the two. Even though they both run on very similar manuals, they're in the same building in Alexandria when they're working there. A lot of what they do is so similar that it's easy to prosecute both if you prosecute patents.
0: Well, Neil, thank you so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Absolutely.
1: My pleasure.
0: And thank you, listeners, for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate us in your favorite podcasting app. It really helps the show. Also, we'll cite and make available our sources for this episode on our website, legaltalknetwork.com. And another big thank you to our team, producer Molly McDonough and our LTN crew for making us all sound so groovy. This has been Legal Talk Today. I'm Lawrence Coletti. Have a great day, everybody.